You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Hey there, all of you. We know you're cool, but are you cool enough to be one of the red shirts? I bet you are. We'll find out tonight. It's 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. It's Monday night, and that can only mean it's time for Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ashley B. Robinson. Tonight, it's time to meet Rumdar, the master spy of the Packlids. We are covering Lower Decks, a spy humongous, us, and we want to hear from you. So click on the Zoom meeting link or use the one tap from your smartphone and call us at 669 nine zero zero six eight three three you'll be connected to the beautiful and lovely and talented earl and he will connect you to us and we'll all learn how to be captain material together hey look you have no learning to do you're already captain janeway captain janeway if i may call you that I mean, we do have a similar hairstyle, so yes, you may call me Captain Janeway. (laughs) In fact, somebody in the chat already said, like, welcome to all the Captain Janeways. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So that's pretty. That was from Alan. Uh, How are you doing tonight, Victoria? Uh, Ashley, Victoria, Robinson, Janeway, Captain. (laughs) All the names. (laughs) I am doing so well. I'm already sweating. We are in for a good night. How are you, John? I'm doing okay. Um, I, you know, I was already intrigued by the title of this episode. Episode, a spy humongous, which, you know, clever little play on words there. It's fun because he is humongous and he is among us. So uh, I'm very excited to talk about all the little in jokes and all the fun and subterfuge of this episode with our callers. So you all know what to do. You pick up the phone, you click on the thing, you do the thing, you talk to Earl, you talk to us. That's the way Mission Log works. The, <laughs> the other way Mission Log Live works is that we welcome all of you. Now, right off the bat, glad to see Paul Wright drop in and say, I got an early morning. I got to skip out. I'll listen to the podcast tomorrow. Paul, uh, we are down one Paul, sorry to say, but maybe another Paul will come in and take up the slack. Pick so, up the mantle. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We'll pick up that mantle. Uh, of course, if you're a pack led, we just call everybody Paul. Maybe just everybody who calls in tonight. <laughs> I am Hi, not Paul. qualified to be a Paul. My hat is not big enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about hats, too. Uh, there's Chris mentioning Ensign Fishcat. Yes, there is mm-hmm. a Fishcat in tonight's episode. A Kazin. Gesundheit. There is <laughs> Phil. There is Brian. There is Dom. There is uh, who else? Oh, Scott Palm. How are you doing, my friend? Scott. Uh, there is Mike. There is Dennis. Uh, Alan with the welcome, Captain Janeways. So glad to see you all. Oh, there's uh, there's Tom. And actually, he was the one with whom I was having the chat about Planet of Hats. So uh, maybe Tom will call in and explain that to us because to me, Fascinating, completely fascinating. Paul says John is a red shirt. Well, <laughs> I guess it depends on how you define red shirt. Uh, Chris says John, exclamation point. Ashley, exclamation point. Earl, exclamation point. Thank you to all of you. There's Carlos, there's John Cooley, Cooley, and uh, man, Julie, and uh, everybody saying hello. So glad to see you all there in the Facebook chat. Please do call in and say hello to us. You know how to do that. We love hearing from you. We love talking to you about Star Trek and particularly right now, Lower Decks. Now, if you are paying attention to the rest of what we do on Mission Log, and I certainly hope you are, next week on Mission Log Live, you'll be back with Norman, Ashley, you and the uh, the indelible Norman Lau will be talking about Lower Decks Season 2, Episode 7, Where Pleasant Fountains Lie. 
<laughs> That's such, what an interesting title. I can't the wait to... The Swimming Lesson episode. You know, con- oh, the yeah. canonical Swimming Lesson episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, you always have to have one. So uh, this is it for uh, Lower Decks. Uh, this week on Mission Log, we'll be releasing the DS9 coverage of the siege of AR-558, the one where war is hell again. So uh, check that out. And then we will be definitely doing a, uh, a Patreon Mission Log After Dark discussion with our Discord crew. And that will be Thursday afternoon time TV. It's usually about 4 o'clock Pacific, exclusive to our Patreon followers, where we get to have a live discussion about that week's Mission Log. And it was a heavy episode, so I imagine the conversation will be heavy. Or or it could be like every other After Dark, where we acknowledge that that's the episode, and then we talk about anything but the episode. <laughs> and you know, sometimes, sometimes that happens, you know. Um, but I did mention Patreon, and we'll mention it again a little bit later in the show. Uh, because if you go over there, if you join us, you get early access to the unedited recordings for Deep Space Nine. Uh, well, this week for Covenant, specifically. But you get those every Wednesday morning morning just about every wednesday morning so you get to be a week ahead and you get to hear me and norman just banter just hang out and chat for a little while which is always fun maybe kind of yes it's fun <laughs> okay yes <science> all right <laughs> Cap- captain janeway says it's fun so i guess it's fun <laughs> uh hey matthew Corey saying hello to mission loggers good to see you here matthew and uh let's see here uh carlos says i have the biggest helmet because i have the biggest head okay all right you know call in prove it i uh, if you don't <laughs> mind ashley i will get to the recap so then we can get to our callers and get to our conversation about tonight's episode please do in fact well thank you here we go tonight's episode of lower deck season two episode six a spy humongous while starfleet continues its skirmishes with the packleds captain freeman has been sent to the packled homeworld to negotiate a ceasefire when she and lieutenant shacks beam down to packled planet they're greeted by someone of a smaller helmet who needs to fetch someone in a higher rank and a larger helmet to negotiate. But before they can proceed with Captain Janeway, as they call her, one of their own announces that the prisoner Rumdar has escaped to the Cerritos. Janeway and Shax will be held prisoner until they get Rumdar back. On the Cerritos, Tendi, Rutherford, Mariner, and Boimler are assigned to anomaly consolidation duty, which is basically trash cleanup of all the weird, dangerous stuff that has been collected from the ship's missions. Everybody is super into it, except Mariner. Boimler slips when getting up from the table and spills his breakfast all over his head, causing Tendi to laugh. Remember that. And Boimler is spotted by a table of the cool kids, an Andorian, a Kazin, a couple of humans like Ensign Casey, who says they call themselves the Red Shirts, and they all help each other excel, get a leg up so they can the captain's chair someday. They'll help Boimler, since he was on the Titan, and he must have some skills. That escape pack lad, Rumdar, is looking for asylum on the Cerritos, except he's not. He reveals himself pretty easily to Ransom and Kayshawn to be a spy, and the two crewmen will keep him occupied and distracted until Captain Freeman's orders to see if they can get any info from him about the continued pack lad attacks. But as soon as Ransom and Kayshawn turn their backs, Rumdar disappears which puts Captain Freeman in a difficult position as the next pack-led leader demands to speak with the prisoner. Freeman stalls, asking to talk about the ceasefire, only to find out that this pack-led's helmet still isn't big enough to negotiate. Back to Boimler. 
He's getting the help of the red shirts to really look and act like command material. He gets a makeover and a little dry run in the theater on how to make an inspiring speech. He's encouraged on by the red shirts to take command in all aspects of his life. And that may even mean hanging out with a crowd more suited to make him look good, not just as friends who do something as demeaning as anomaly collecting. Down on Pac-Led Planet, things are getting really out of hand when Freeman finally has her meeting with the Pac-Led King, who is outranked by the Pac-Led Emperor, who are both usurped in a bloody revolution, and one of those revolutionaries takes the big helmet for himself. Things on the Cerritos are getting nearly as chaotic. A day of anomaly collection has led Mariner, Rutherford, and Tendi to all kinds of humiliating encounters. Gases that make a body blow up, nanobots, entombing gels being swallowed and excreted by a giant slug. Tendi is taking it all in stride until she grabs an alien cube that brings out her very worst side. Suddenly, she's combative, lashing out at her crewmates and transforming her into a giant green scorpion, then terrorizing the ship. When the red shirts spot her in the mess hall, they do what they do, give rousing speeches. But that's no good. Boimler actually goes into action, realizing that Tendi grabbed an Ataxian mood shifter. Instead of speechifying, he goes into action, making the replicator spit out food after food so he can spill it on himself and take falls all to Tendi's delight, just like he did at the top of the episode, remember? It works. Tendi laughs and reverts to her normal self. Also wrapping up the chaos on the Cerritos, Ransom and Kayshawn spot Rumdar floating outside the ship. He must took an airlock for a bathroom, made a mess, and then flushed himself out. Somehow he survived and Dr. Tana revived him. The jig is up when Rumdar asks for codes to the ship, and this time on the Cerritos, and his time on the Cerritos comes to an end. Not a moment too soon. He's beamed down to Pac-Led Planet, where Freeman and Shax are being held at Spear Point, and the new Emperor reveals that Rumdar was a spy all along. Shocking! Freeman plays into the game and says he's such a good spy, she only wishes she knew what he knows to prove how good he is. So, of course, Rumdar spills the whole thing about how she never found out that the Pac-Leds are trying to smuggle a Veruvian bomb to Earth. Done and done, two to beam up. Boimler gets an earful from Ensign Casey about how his actions in the mess hall were shameful, humiliating himself to save Tendi. But Boimler was right. And the other red shirts see it, distancing themselves from Casey. When Ransom comes through and an eager Casey asks if he can fill the acting captain position and barely paying attention, Ransom says, yeah, whatever. But he does stop to praise Boimler for his quick thinking. Later that night, as a bridge crew clears, Casey is all ready to take the con. It's all of about two seconds during a shift swap until Lieutenant Shax can kick him out of the big chair. And while he's at it, Casey gets ordered to clean out airlock 17, where that pack led did something unspeakable. Back in the lower decks, reflecting on the day, Mariner pulls out one of those anomalies that was kind of cool, a casting stone that will let them broadcast their voices to any planet, which they use to torment Armus. The end. So...
So much happening. So much happening in this episode. Oh, this is high chaos, this episode. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, I, before we get, and we have so many great callers lined up. Before we get to those callers, I just want to ask you, like, your, your quick impressions, like, uh, out of our now, uh, 16 episodes of Lower Decks. Uh, how did you feel about this one? Ranks high for you, ranks low for you. I'm seeing some interesting, uh, takes on this in the chat. I would say that this ranks around the middle. I think this is a really fun episode and there's a lot of really cute devices that we get executed here, but I don't feel like the emotionality is as strong as some of the other episodes that we saw, particularly last week's episode. Mm -hmm. I thought it was like really strong and it starts out so silly and it ends so strong. Um, And what's wonderful about Lower Decks is there can be room for both such types of episodes. Like it's not that there's no emotional growth here. It just didn't hit me in the same way that I was hit with it last week, which was interesting because the chat last week was also very divisive about the quality of that episode as well. Um, But I will say I was a little sad to see that even Tendi's spirit could be crushed because she has this indomitable positivity (laughs) that I long for in my own life. And to see her get mad, I was like, oh, no, her because all characters have superpowers for when you're writing them and her superpower. She's like super happy and super upbeat and super positive and uh, look, manual labor is, is tough. <laughs> There's a reason that I am a, a podcaster and a talking head. I don't want to lift things, particularly oh, trash. Oh, hey, you and me both. These <laughs> these delicate hands barely seen a day's hard work. Uh, you know, that's that's the way it goes. Look, I, th- this is all very interesting that you're saying because I, I think I feel about the same way. I think mm-hmm. it was a good episode. I don't think it was the greatest episode. I don't think it was the worst episode. And I wondered, as I was putting together the recap, which ran long than I wanted it to. <laughs> the fact that we have three plot lines going. You have mm-hmm. Pac-Led Planet, you have Boimler's Ascension, and then you've got the Anomaly Collecting. Was it too much? Could they have maybe sacrificed a couple of scenes and and focused a little more on one or the other? Maybe it's tough. It's tough not to. It's tough when you're not in the room, right? Uh, yeah. Pac-Led Planet's also arguably two plots because you have the stuff that's happening on the planet, and then you have Rumdar running around the ship. Right when we check in with Ransom, every I don't know. I think he's got three scenes in the episode. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, like, like the the D plot. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Which is always impressive. That you can get that much story out with so little dialogue and such short scenes. That is one of the strengths mm-hmm. of Lower Decks. But then I wonder if you have literally as you just pointed out an a b c and d plot is it a little too much uh or do they look at it and go you know what we can only spend so much time on the pack led planet you know yeah very that because i don't know if if i could have allotted more time i definitely wouldn't have given it to captain freeman and shacks unfortunately i'm sad to say i don't know if i needed to see more of I have a bigger hat than you have. Right. Kathunk, kathunk. <laughs> right. I, I do think though, and and I, I apologize, we're going to get to our callers here in just a second. One note that I took to myself that uh, I, I just want to get out before we move on here is something that was great about the pack led planet and getting so much in with such little screen time is I love how they boiled down making the pack leds represent the shortest possible distance between revolution and, 
and the inevitable authoritarian takeover. Like, <laughs> like I pictured this as something happening weekly on Pac-Led Planet, you know? And it's just like you can take hundreds of years of human history <laughs> and point to places it happens, but here it's just like, yeah, it's just that's just the way it happens because, look, they're dumb because we're dumb and they're a reflection of us and we will do that. And seeing it condensed like that, really, it feels very stark, particularly given, yeah. I think, the upheaval of the last year or so. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, hey, without further ado, let's go to our first caller. Calling all the way from Starbase, it is Chris. Welcome, Chris. How you doing tonight? Hey, man. Hey. hey. Doing good. Doing good. Uh, I think I'm with you guys in that, like, yeah, it's a good episode, sort of ranks around the middle. Why it falls sort of shorter. I was fine with the ABCD plot. I didn't honestly really notice that that much. My thing was this felt kind of like a character backslide like we spent all this time with mariner sort of she's kind of opening up she's kind of making amends she goes on the girl trip with tendy she goes partying with boimler last week and now she's back to being sort of sassy jerky season one mariner and similarly boimler who we think should be over Hmm. like his like like super like zeroed in on the chair Mm -hmm. instantly goes to that like like that's the very first thing he does and i almost feel like you could put this Earlier in the season, it would work better if you put it like before the girls' trip and are sort of those things. So yeah, it wasn't a bad episode. Just like contextually, it felt very weirdly placed for me. It yeah. does continue the trend of we're mixing up the dynamics because we get uh, like a Mariner Rutherford moment in their B plot. Well, they're probably the A plot uh, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not in a writer's room for a reason, and I think it's revealing itself. <laughs> uh, but like that was something that I did enjoy, and that's like in comparison to the last two episodes where we've seen other sort of mix-ups. I think that's where this episode shines. Mm-hmm. Um. I, so many thoughts uh, about this episode, but I, I wonder how we all feel about, and I, I know that the Vice Admiral is going to have some stuff to say about this. Um, how do we feel about the idea that Lower Decks is fully committed to the pack lads being the prime adversary? <laughs> like I, I, I think about TNG taking their time to find it. You know, they introduced the Ferengi right away. And that was just kind of a dud until they figured out how to reinvent the Ferengi later on and then really commit to it in DS9. Um, obviously, the Borg came along, and we we then had the one that stuck, uh, that fit for TNG. And here's Lower Decks is going like, oh, they did this one episode. What could we do if we just committed to the dumbest possible adversary on our show? Uh, do, you, do you feel like this is the way to... Did you expect this much pack-led action? Or, uh, <laughs> I mean, give me your feelings on that. I, I will say at the end of season one, I was hoping we'd get more because they just are so funny. Every ship is the Enterprise. Every girl captain is Captain <laughs> Janeway. Like, their they're like inability to process more than, like, two brain cells. I just... I, it's highly entertaining. I mean, I think you said it, John. It's about committing to the bit. And Laura Dex was mm-hmm. like, they went all in on it. And once you go in on it, it's like, yeah, they're, they believe in it, so you believe in it kind of thing. No, I love the pack lips. They're very funny. I, I enjoy them a lot. Well, and I think they figure out a way to make the dumbest possible adversary actually threatening you know, because it's kind of it's kind of like the Borg when you look at the Borg as as not having really a moral stake 
or, or any ethical qualms about anything. They're simply following their programming. And it isn't about um, the, the, their uh, targets being uh, ideologically opposed. Or it's just about we want you, what you have. We're going to take your technology and your, your individuality, your distinctiveness, and make it part of us because that makes us stronger. That's what the pack leads are. They're just slower, you know, um, and somehow lower decks cracked that nut and figured out how to take this, what would have been a footnote in Star Trek history and turn them into something really interesting and genuinely worrisome, you know, to the 24th century. I'm trying to imagine if I think that Mike McMahon entered the room saying it will be the pack lids because I absolutely <laughs> believe that as a reality. Or if I'm sure this happens when you work on a massive franchise, if they tried for the Borg and the Gorn and the da, 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 and, da, da, and then um, they heard from on high, like, oh, well, Picard is doing this and the show's doing this. And then eventually it was like, well, who can we use? And then when the packlets appeared on there, it was like, oh, we got to do the packlets. <laughs> <laughs> That's why not? Well, that would be a good question for uh, Mike uh, when we that. have about. Yes, exactly. <laughs> By the way, I, I don't want to throw you too far off track because, I, Ashley, I know that you have your feelings about this. And Chris, you may have your feelings about this, too. But Carlos says currently uh, I'm shipping and he's throwing out a couple of uh, uh, combo <gasps> names for us. He goes, I'm shipping Boindy or Tendler. Oh, now. no, no. How dare, how dare, my heart. I don't know if I, if I think that I want that, but I do definitely thought I picked up a vibe in that, end, in that cafeteria scene, like when Tendi, like, de-hulks. Like, yeah. the way she says, thank you, Boimler, I was like, that's an interesting inflection, Noel. Why, why, why'd you do that? Hmm. Oh, I agree. It, very, it yeah. feels like pillow talk. Uh, even the way that they're posed in the animation, it feels very intimate. Well, it is very romantic, you know, laying on a big pool of uh, shrimp, granola, chocolate, rice, uh, pizza, collard greens, whatever. It's so <laughs> gross. <laughs> uh, one of my notes just says chocolate sundae hot is so gross. <laughs> like, I uh, I couldn't with the hot food. It was so gross. Wait, wait, my, my favorite detail in that was a birthday cake with lit candles Temperature variable, temperature. like yeah. what? Yeah. How? <laughs> what? What part so is the varying temperatures? That's yeah. Uh, Earl, of course, chiming in. Earl asks, but not a big pile of street corn. So no, weird. No banana hot. No, no. Why have so we not gone theory. back to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's. It seems like the uh, the replicator would have come up with that already on its own. Very disappointing. Uh, Chris, any other thoughts tonight? Uh, no, I think that's about it. Yeah, this was good. We'll see. I still think there's going to be like a big Mariner, Boimler, if not fight, but like emotional catharsis scene. Some here, somewhere in our last four. I think we're building to that. Yeah, maybe, maybe Tandy and Boimler are a thing now. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but no, I've been enjoying this season so far. I'm always glad to have more lower decks and it's been fun hanging out all this time. Agreed. All right. Thanks, Chris. Good to talk to you and we'll uh, see you again soon. Bye, Chris. Bye. Bye. Hey, let us not skip a beat. Let us go right over to the next caller on the line, and that is Mike, Captain Mike. Welcome to the show. Captain Riker, good to see you. <laughs> Captain Gangway, good to see you as well. <laughs> That's the only way, only reason I grew this beard. That's I, uh, I, I, 
Yeah, and I don't want to uh, compromise Becky and Boims or Beckward because we all like those, but they were definitely vibing with uh, with Tendy and Boimler there at the end. I could see that. And Ashley, you pointed out the pose, and I thought there was mm-hmm. uh, definitely kind of had something. And you know, hot fudge or excuse me, uh, chocolate Sunday hot. I laughed out loud. That was that was that was the end of it. <laughs> oh, gross! You know, maybe this is like the sexy complication before Tendy and Rutherford can get married. Like we know they're destined to. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's okay. All right, you're so going we have that seven direction. Seasons of this show, I've already spoken <laughs> into the universe. So there's time. It took Riker and Troy a long time to work that Inzati stuff out. <laughs> yeah, you have sure to have good. it. Good. Something also that makes Insurrection my favorite next gen movie yeah. or top oh, two anyway. Nice, top two. Hot, nice. Hot take. Um, so what I wanted to get at a little bit was just um, uh, a little bit about you know, and usually I just kind of get on here and goof around, and uh, I wanted. to Covered two kind of serious topics. One, actually, I wanted to thank you last week for pointing out something that I said, and I, I actually did reflect on that a lot during this week, because if you don't know you're doing something, you can't fix it. And I'll just leave it alone. But uh, you pointed out that I had a way of speaking when I was chatting with Norm a little bit, and I wanted to work on that a little bit. So so thank you. Um, a little bit of opportunity for personal growth for me. Um also, speaking of personal growth, um, just, you know, the individual, uh, the, the difference between individual leadership and, and personal leadership and, and training yourself to become a captain or just acting like a captain. Oh. And I think that really was the crux of, of this, uh, this episode for me, um, you know, with my profession and, and a project I've been working on for, uh, for many, many months now that's kind of coming to a crescendo. Um, but unless you uh, know your stuff. Uh, can do your job, can do it well, have the credibility of your peers, uh, look out for one another, take care of each other, uh, then you're not going to be able to lead other people. And just being able to make a good speech or a uh, or look good, uh, have a good hair day and wear the uniform right <laughs> is not going to be able to to make you a good captain. That was really what I wanted to do to, uh, to chat about just a little bit about this episode, because it was such a such a uh, kind of a strong message there with uh, the red shirts. And, Mike, and, what, and what they were trying to do. It, it is like you have been reading my notes because I literally <laughs> wrote down as one of my notes, the difference between acting like a captain and being <laughs> a captain. And uh, one of Casey's lines that I had to quote was, this isn't a friendship, it's a starship. <laughs> and um, which is just so good and so right for that character. But it, it really says something about, uh, you know, the, the iconic captains of Star Trek that we've followed, whether it's Kirk or Pike or Janeway or Picard or whomever, um, uh, Archer. Not the certainly... Cisco erasure. It's the Cisco erasure for me. <laughs> okay. 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 So, uh, uh, but, but I, I look at that and I go, yeah, the, there has to be the correct balance between uh, the, the logical job of leadership, but also the care and empathy and compassion for the people that you are leading. Otherwise, what is the point of being there? What is the point of even being in that chair or aspiring to that position? And again, Lower Decks just so beautifully is able to boil down a concept like that into a handful of scenes with a handful of lines, and you get it. You get it on this emotional level to see what's happening between just acting the part and actually caring about the part, caring about the role. I find like bringing this up a piece of like verisimilitude because you came in here and your first statement brought a lot of humility, which is something that a great leader 
really needs. And it's something that Boimler has to learn in order to help Tendi in this episode. And then you come in with this incredible thesis on the morals, meanings, messages of the episode. So I, I, I applaud you for living oh, what you're preaching over. right now. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm quite flattered by that. And, and thank you. And I just, um, you know, I, I know you got a long list of people. You got a lot of things to talk about, but just, just, you know, words matter. And when, uh, when Boimler was giving his version of the captain's speech, he said, it's an, it's been an honor to serve as your yes. captain. And that's yes. the thing is that when you're a leader, you have to remember that you're serving the people uh, that are in your charge to do what's best for everybody and uh, and not what's best for yourself. So uh, thanks for giving me a chance to call in. You guys are the best. I'm having a bunch of fun. And uh, I don't know who said it. Uh, I want to give, I'm going to give Alan credit because he's going to be on here sometime <laughs> tonight. But uh, with, with that Borg, uh, uh, you know, connection to the, to the packlet, he said, somebody said on Discord, on the, uh, uh-huh. uh, the patrons uh, mission log Discord, which yeah. is fun and you should join, by the way. Um, <laughs> he said, uh, we want to add your stuff to our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that, also that, a great was that you, Vice Admiral? I'm not going to lie. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I will uh, okay. I'll make way for the next call and we will uh, give credit where credit is due. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Take care. Take care. Thank you so much. And hey, you know what? Uh, We'll do this a couple of minutes early. It's not quite the bottom of the hour, but we'll do this right before we welcome on the Vice Admiral and then Alan and then John Arminio uh, because Mike said it so well. Uh, Discord for our Patreon followers is so much fun. And I said this to Norman, I've said it on air and I've said it to Norman privately. When I look at all the things that I do on the internet, when I look at the social media that I follow, that I have to participate in as maybe a part of the show, there's Twitter, there's Facebook, there's all these other places. I have more fun and get more positivity out of our Discord than anywhere else. It is such a great group of people. There are so many conversations happening that go beyond Star Trek. There's other science fiction. There's real science. There's food and drink because I exist. Uh, there is so much happening in our Discord that I loved. I, usually the last thing I do before I go to bed at night is read Discord because it just puts a smile on my face. So how can you be a part of it. You can be a part of it for as little as a dollar a month. Joining us over at patreon.com slash mission log. There are so many other benefits as well. There's mission log swag. There's early access to our shows. There's the unedited shows. There's the after dark discussion each week about the current episode of mission log. But more than anything, it is a group of friends and we are having the time of our lives chatting with each other, checking in with each other and having fantastic conversations. Join us there, patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you for letting me be crassly commercial in the middle of this fun show. And now we'll get back to our Trek talk. So happy to welcome the man who taught me about the planet of hats. It's the vice admiral. Welcome to the show, vice admiral. How are you tonight? Well, so far so good. It's good to see you both. Hope you've Good been to fun. see you. I yes. love your shirt. You're looking very, very fetching tonight. Why, thank Ooh. you. Yeah, this is uh, one of my uniform ones. You can, I can't really see my rank and stuff here, but if I stand up, you oh. can get my insignia. That's so Ooh, cool. Nice. Oh, very so, cool. Nice. I have one olive as opposed to Fleet Admiral Roddenberry, of course, who has no olives. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Fleet Admiral Roddenberry. That's, uh, I dare not call him that in real life, but uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, yeah. All Mike right. So up the wonderful thing about the, uh, the the leadership qualities that were brought on display here with the red shirts, 
But I have to also ask, I, one thing I thought there might be a little hint of in here, as the show does enjoy uh, poking, uh, poking at, I'm not going to say poking fun all the time, just poking at some of the things that happen in, in the sci-fi community. And I'm thinking, wow, those guys really were gatekeepers, weren't they? Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, that is a good point. Expound on that a little, if you would, please. Well, yes. they immediately take take uh, Boimler out from the uh, group that he has been comfortable with and decide mm-hmm. that, hey, if he wants to be a part of this group, he has to pretend they don't exist. He has to do things the way they want. He, they have to convince him that he's got to follow certain rules and like certain things and not like certain others. Otherwise, he's just useless to them. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I I think Lower Decks has done a really good job of very subtly working in, well, certainly references to uh, fandom and, and, you know, the, the various trappings of that. But this was, uh, I I felt it was a little cult-like, obviously saying you have to disconnect from your old friends from this other life that you think you have. Uh, But what I thought was very interesting was, you put it so well, the gatekeeping of you have to look like this, you have to act like this. this is the only real way to become a captain. Otherwise, you'll just be stuck here. Well, well, stuck there, first of all, is incorrect. <laughs> and second of all, those are the people, as we showed by the end of the episode, those are the people who are doing the job, not exactly. just talking about the job. Uh, so it was a little bit of a celebration of kind of the um, you, you, workers of all stripes, not just the middle and upper management, you know. Exactly. And Boimler did show great leadership qualities when he needed to. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Absolutely. I think we can all comfort ourselves by knowing that as red shirts, they're not long for this world. Uh, but as a fan <laughs> of Jin the Andorian, I'm a little sad. I think she's going to explode soon. <laughs> oh, and, and, the, and the Kazin doing the uh, the telepath pose from TAS was amazing, wasn't it? <laughs> Just and, and hearing the spine crack. What it, uh, oh. is it? Yeah. Oh my so god! So much gross stuff in this episode. Yeah. Okay, but but the other three, you know, uh, Casey went on to have his humiliation on the bridge, but the other three were turned around suddenly. They thought Boimler was cool. They realized apparently the error of Casey's ways. So maybe, maybe there is some hope and some redemption for them that they won't follow this gatekeeper uh, uh, right. holier than thou path. Exactly. You know. But the other thing, of course, John, as we talked about on the on the Discord, is the Planet of Hats trope that they literally brought out and said, look, it's a Planet of Hats. You blew my mind because in Mission Log Past, we have talked about um, monocultures. Uh, uh, monocultures and and I've, I've always heard it as that way. I'd never heard of the trope of the Planet of Hats. Please, well, Ashley, is this something that you're familiar with? Being I the... am not, so please enlighten me. Oh, okay, okay. It's basically well, the same sort of thing where a, a genre show, but specifically science fiction shows, will, in order to, you know, keep things simple, both from the production perspective and from the, you know, audience perspective everybody has a certain trait whether it be they they all they're all artists or they're all warriors or they're all wearing hats or <laughs> even even a certain type of hat or they all you know something that identifies them uniquely even if they mostly look human so that the audience can look at them and say oh look we know who that is the minute we see them and i'm uh, just thinking about stargate with the oh yes jaffa and the foreheads <laughs> exactly the sort of thing i'm talking about yeah all jaffa with, with the exception of a handful all have 
the mark of their uh, of their goal, right? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's that's a little simplified because they're also all Jaffa, and they all also you know <laughs> look a certain way as well. But yes, you're absolutely correct. But it's and, and in the right hands, it can work. I mean, clearly we've had fifty plus years of Star Trek where you're using a shorthand, particularly when when Star Trek is more episodic, to say, these are the people of this planet. This typifies this planet. We turn that back on mm-hmm. Earth and we look at ourselves and go, how could you sum up humanity in just a handful of traits, much less a single trait that you could say that, you know, that defines what humans... Phones. It would be the planet of phones. <laughs> planet of phones. You there you go. correct. <laughs> that, that's correct, yeah. But then you have factions, and you have iPhone and Android factions, and you have flip phone <laughs> factions, and then you have the non-phone. Uh, so it, it can work, and, and obviously it worked early on when you say, okay, Vulcans are logical, and Klingons are this, and Romulans are this. And it took years and years and years of welcoming these characters back to be able to give them a little bit more color. And as we would say on Mission Log, well, where are the artists? Where are the priests? Where are the, the day laborers, the, the people who, you know, from the Klingon world do everything but be warriors all day long? Somebody has to go out and so, get the guy. Somebody's gas. cleaning their airlocks. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, uh, and you still wonder how, okay, how could a pack led planet actually evolve? How could they actually get Quickly, to the point? I, I guess. I, I, well, well I, okay, I have but a is, about that, John. Okay. Because I, I'll pose it to both of you. Is this a mirror universe situation where <laughs> it, it, if your if your uh, uh, development of your society is through killing the person who is next highest in rank, do you actually get to evolve and succeed as a society that way? Ah. It seems like you would be stuck a long time ago. So school so me about pack You used the word evolve, John. So here's <laughs> I did. what I was thinking. Who's, I did. Who's had one of the biggest hats we've ever seen in Star Trek? Oh, in uh, Star Trek. I was thinking about the. I was like, Alistair Crowley? Kai Wen. No, no, I was thinking Reginald Barkley in the episode of the degree. That is a very big hat. So what if yes. the Packledge in when they still had ships that were pretty basic ran across that same probe and one of them mm. is sitting in a giant Barkley chair controlling everything from the back? Oh, you mean in his uh, Barkley lounger? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he's yeah, gotten was, super smart. Yeah. I mean, comparatively not super smart like Barkley, but you know, smarter yeah. than other Packledge. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's such a shame for everyone who can't see the crew that's on video right now <laughs> and the applause that is going on by all of our sweet friends is so gratifying. It's so great. See, that's what people are missing when they're not here in the green room with us. Yeah. 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 It's its own little party. Uh, yeah. You know, that is quite possible. And you, you do wonder, is it just something built into the pack leads where they could attain technology, they can attain a certain level of, uh, of intellectual development, artificial or otherwise, mm-hmm. but they still keep misusing it. It still misfires every time, which again, I would say is a pretty okay reflection of humanity in that all aliens are humans in Star Trek when it comes down to it. So, yeah. Correct. 
Yeah, <laughs> I have to wonder. What, what do you think, Ashley? What do you, what, it's who's so in charge? tough because I want to imagine that this is a world where instead of, uh, we know that on our planet, right, it's, quote, survival of the fittest, end quote, that mm. I want to believe that it's the opposite on Pac-Lib planet. But, <laughs> but that doesn't make sense because they have it, they have beat the Fermi paradox and they have achieved yes. interstellar travel, which requires a level of, like, intellectualism and technology and societal comprehension that we don't have right now. Or somebody well, landed there in the first place and they took their ship. Right. So yeah. my, my next theory is that they must be parasitic or they came upon a planet that maybe suffered, uh, I don't know, a, a plague. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. antagonist now. race yeah. from Footfall who basically had alien tech left on their planet and... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't accept it. Yeah. Survival of the fittest just means survival of that which is best suited to survive, not best, not smartest, not most able, whatever, just able to survive whatever the environment throws at them. So in their case, I guess they're slowness was an adaptive ability that helped them out and they maybe got lucky a few times and stole some good technology they're the tortoise in the tortoise in the hair metaphor oh 100 yeah, percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. gave them the select the selection pressure that being a bit dumb is okay yeah right <laughs> right right oh man uh vice admiral thank you so much for dropping in with some knowledge on the planet of hats i really appreciate that <laughs> it, it will change my outlook uh, from now on any other uh, parting thoughts before we say goodbye no but it's great to see you guys and i'm hoping that i get to see you in person at some point sooner than later that would be Peach. lovely indeed yes take care have a great night you too both of you take care all right. Waiting over here, as always, from the lower decks, <laughs> we have our old friend, Alan, the king of the Riker meme. Welcome back to the show, Alan. Hey, hey, hey. How are you good doing? Good to see you guys again. John, Ashley, it's great to be here. Um, I I feel like the conversation has been a little bit too on point, so I'm afraid I'm going to have to step in and... <laughs> I'm going to have to assert dominance <laughs> over this podcast. He's got a bigger hat. I have the biggest oh. hat today. Oh. He, is, he is Emperor host. Yes. Yes. This hey. is my podcast now. <laughs> Watch your back, man, because yeah. you never know who's going to be behind you with a bigger hat. But yeah, yeah. Point. <laughs> uh, by the way, somebody, uh, uh, oh, uh, Cherie, our old friend Cherie here in the chat says, maybe the Packleds are the reason for the Prime Directive. Someone helped them long ago, and this is the result. Ooh, that's Cherie? good. Very good. I like that a lot. So, and Dave says, uh, perhaps they had very intelligent scientists. They all got killed off and are just coasting with centuries of old tech. Could very well be the case. So, uh, yeah. It a good Krypton vibes. We're not listening to our scientists. It could be. It could be. Yeah. So, Alan, other than uh, usurping your hosts, uh, what else do you have to share with us tonight uh, about Lower Decks? Oh, well, I, you know, another enjoyable episode. I think I'm kind of in the same lane as you guys in is, is that it, it may not have been sort of like, you know, an all-time great Lower Decks. It was... It definitely was good. Had a lot of fun jokes. Had a lot of great moments. Um, you know, uh, just uh, who who would have thought that you know it would end with prank calling Armus? That's <laughs> so that is good, an, though. That is so an all good. time. <laughs> 
all time uh, great bit. And you know, it just you know who who wouldn't you who wouldn't want to prank call that guy? Sure, I mean, given sure. the opportunity. But did you feel a little sorry for him at the end? I mean, he he's full of anger, but then they pissed him off, and then he's just he he just devolves a little puddle of goo. Just he can't even take it anymore. Ah. Uh, no. Honestly, though, he looks better here than he's ever looked. <laughs> That's he, very he looked, true. He looked the least like my pile of glad bags. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a little a little sparkle to him, you know. He's he's mm-hmm. been maybe he's been working out. You don't know. But. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice. Hey, uh, let me ask you both a question. Um, you're on the Cerritos. You know that down the hall there is the Starfleet gift shop. You know that down the hall again there is the high security juice bar. First of all, I want to know what a high security juice bar is. <laughs> Second of all, I want to know what we're missing. I want to know what we're missing beyond that that is to be revealed yet in a future episode of Lower Decks beyond the gift shop and the high security juice bar. Um, I, I'm thinking there's got to be a yoga studio. Uh, there's got to be, um, I, I, I don't know, a Starfleet massage. Like the, the, It seems like a well-equipped ship. A couture replicator. Yeah. Ooh, a couture replicator. Bespoke, bespoke clothing. Oh, nice, nice. Hey, well, you think that's where they got uh, Boimler's new, uh, new cut? Okay, but the callback to the TNG shoulder pads, though, was yes. so funny. It was <laughs> yeah. so good. <laughs> I did appreciate that quite a bit. And uh, we've, you know, uh, yourself, Ashley, me, many of our listeners maybe have spent some time in a black box theater with folding chairs and harsh lighting. So um, I I just... Chris was there with me a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, yeah. (laughs) Maybe felt a little close to home. I uh, I appreciate that that exists. Every improv theater in LA. (laughs) Yes, yes. Love that. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I, I don't know. Maybe uh, uh, it's a shame they didn't get to the barber shop. The, you know, I'm sure there's a bullion mm-hmm. on staff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe the, the gift shop was just that replimat place that they went uh, shopping for uh, Miles and Keiko gifts that one time. For the gifts, yeah. That on could the be Enterprise. It. I think, that could be it. Yeah. It's like, you know, just take him there, you know, make him a shirt, say it's the gift <laughs> shop. It's all good. <laughs> Um, high security juice bar. Maybe that's just like, you know, the really exotic fruits. Like, you know, you think those are only on the California class as well. Maybe. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Like the New you York know, class ships have a high security pizza. <laughs> sure. They might have a high security falafel. Um, yeah. 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 They, you know, they get the good water on the New York ships. Right. That's how they make <laughs> right. it. Yes. Nice. Nice. I love it. Um, yeah, what else? What else you got for us, Alan? Because I, oh. I, I, I do, by the way, I, I think there is uh, as reprehensible as uh, Ensign Casey is. I will say that I had to write down at least another one of his lines. because It was so insightful, so thoughtful, and you should all carry this with you wherever you go. The bridge is wherever you are. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that, a great line. That was. That was. You should just always think of it that way. Yes. You know, he's, mm-hmm. a, he's a walking... Um, quote a day calendar of, <laughs> of insightful uh, Starfleet stuff. Um, you know, it did feel like, you know, it was good that uh, in the end, Mighty Casey struck out. Uh, he got his comeuppance at the end. I thought that was, you know, well-earned, you know, another great Shaq's line, you know, just 
He's there for two seconds and get out of my chair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm per- also pretty perfectly sure timed. that he was the Gladbacks at the end as well. I'm pretty sure oh, that was also Fred. You think he was doing Armas? Mm-hmm. You think that was Fred? Oh, okay. Right. Oh, yeah. Conspiracy oh, yeah, yeah. Pin, pin that one. Another good question, I think. Sounds, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's, it sounds like a little bit of his uh, vocal vocal performance there. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I do have one semi-serious thing to touch on to uh, much like Captain Mike and some of our other callers is that we did get a lot of time with the pack leads and I'm just, I'm just going to throw this out there. I know it's a comedy show. I know that they're typically thought of as a comedy race, but does it, does it get to a point where it stops being these guys are stupid and it gets to be something else. And I hope that mm. they thread the needle there a little bit because it would be unfortunate if it's, if it started to become a parody of, you know, mental challenges yeah. or anything mm-hmm. like that, you know, because I mean, the idea at least that I remember from the original episode was that yes, these guys appear stupid and they appear helpless and that they don't know what they're doing. But in actuality, they're just very unsophisticated with the way that they talk, but they're very cunning and they've got, you know, all of these other attributes at play. Whereas, you know, definitely the stupidity has been played up for laughs in in this show and good for them because they're great jokes. You know, when, when you guys talked a couple weeks ago about, them taking the buzzsaw and just slamming it into the door. <laughs> That's, I love it. Yes. That is a top flight joke. Yeah. yeah. But I just want to make sure, hopefully that they sort of keep it pitched where it's at right now, because anymore, and it could, you know, I've, I've seen some, some postings questioning this hmm. uh, in various places that discuss the show. And I'm like, is that really what's happening here? Or, you know, how are we how are we feeling about this i guess i think that's a very fair question and it's yeah. always tough when you present a character who there could be a shorthand for what we might recognize as a as a handicap whether that's a mental mm-hmm. handicap or a physical handicap i think we've seen that star trek in general and these writers aren't going to do that it's certainly intentionally which doesn't mean that that line won't get crossed but I will say there are four episodes left and I, I hope like you, Alan, that we get like a big payoff with the pack lids. I hope we get a space battle with them. I know it can, you also brought up like, is this too much? Are we wringing the joke dry and maybe a turn where they are the big scary bad guys is just what we need. I would love to see it honestly. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I, I, I do appreciate that question because i think it's an important one to have and and mm-hmm. the more i watch of the pack lids i wonder like are, are we skirting into some sort of uncomfortable territory with them in their portrayal and then i remind myself like well they actually are a threat they actually are dangerous yeah. and, and they 
they were cunning. They did have a plan here, and they apparently have more plans. They're very poor at connecting the dots. And it's just sort of like this unfiltered part where you announce, basically, I'm a spy. I'm here to get the information. <laughs> uh, but the plan existed before that. And, the, and uh, enough of them got together and said, you will pretend to ask for asylum. You'll go to the ship. You'll get information. We'll be here doing this. So there is something that is quite thoughtful about them and it could simply be an evolutionary trait where it's like okay but to protect ourselves mm -hmm. we come across as not all that bright uh so i i, I agree you know because there is so little about the pack lads other than that one episode of next gen and what we've gotten of them on lower decks they could really take them anywhere and we could actually get a full backstory on why the pack leads are what they are or they may just leave it where they are and say oh no no they actually are truly frightening <laughs> you know <laughs> if you really think about it so uh, i'll be curious to see but i i think that is a very legitimate question alan i, okay. I appreciate you bringing that up um yeah. I'm going. I, I'm going to turn the conversation real quick, just because there's some great comments in the chat that I don't want to miss. Where we're talking about what else exists on the Cerritos. Uh, first of all, uh, Chris Riker says Armus needs to be drilled and sold at the pumps. Um, uh, John Cooley. John Cooley says I want access to the gift shop. Uh, Carlos says they do yoga in the halls, like on TNG. So no need for a yoga studio; just do it in the hall, like they did on TNG. We have to see Cetacean Ops. Uh, let's see here, and then uh, oh, oh, uh, Deck Six Build a Bear. So we need that. We also need a high security taco stand. And, uh, oh, and John says, John Cooley says, black box shout out to the USS McKinley and Star Trek, the improvised generation. Definitely a big mm -hmm. shout out to them and our friends from that show. So, um, yeah, Paul says, high test Armas. <laughs> That's what you'll be coming <laughs> at the station very soon. So, yes. Um, Alan, we are going to run a little bit short tonight, so I, I will say goodbye, and uh, we can bring no on our next caller. So hope you have a great night. Thank you, and we will see you uh, hopefully soon. Yeah, see you next time, guys. Bye. Cheers. Take care. And uh, rounding out the show tonight, always glad to have him back. It is our friend John Arminio. Welcome to the show. Hi. How are you tonight? I'm great. How are you? Doing okay. Doing all right. I can't wait for you to bring it home for us oh. and share your <laughs> insights into this week's Lower Decks. Um, well, I guess piggybacking off of what Alan said, I think one of the great things about Star Trek is that it gives us a way to look at different kinds of intelligences. So, like, I was just thinking about that one non-corporeal intelligence from TNG that referred to us as ugly bags of mostly water. <laughs> yes. Not wrong, not wrong. And, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. and it, it couldn't understand what death is, so it had to, like, kill humans to see what that was like. Mm. So, in a way, it's incredibly ignorant of so much of what life is in the universe, but in other ways, it far surpasses our own intelligence. And so I think it'd be very, very interesting if Lower Decks could explore the ways Peclids are maybe even maybe more advanced intellectually than other species that we've seen. Like oh. if they really want to drill into Peclid culture in, in a certain way. Maybe they're strength. Maybe they're really good at the long game. Yes. They just keep fumbling <laughs> at the short game. You know, that, that really could be part of it. 
Yeah. But they're yeah. also good as a kind of a collective, right? Like they seem very community based. They're very mm -hmm. interested mm -hmm. in things that affect them as a whole. They're not as individualistic as humans. But they also kill each other to get ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, well, you know, so does a fish. <laughs> so, so, do, so do we. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. John, John throws down. <laughs> like, like not in this room, okay, but just in general, yeah. Um, no, that that's such a good point, and and I, it does perfectly dovetail with what Alan was saying, and, and there probably is so much more to be revealed about them, and like Ashley, I would love to be a fly on the wall in the writer's room to figure out, like, how they game this out. Where do we actually, if we're going to commit to the pack leads, where do we actually go with them? And if Lower Deck showed us anything, in 10 episodes last season, they did so much and they led us along with all this great comedy and then they landed one of the strongest finales I think of any mm -hmm. Star Trek for the end of their first season. I have high hopes. I don't want to be let down. I have high hopes here that for the end of this season there will be something just as impactful and thought-provoking as they did last. And um, just one thing about the cadre of red shirts. It, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it seemed like it was a bunch of people who watched the TNG episode Tapestry and got the wrong message. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yes. I just need to, like, be aggressive and, and grab the bull by the horns and, and tell Starfleet what I want, and then I'll get it. Yeah, Whereas right. It's actually, no, you need to commit to being a leader and, and be humble and, and while being able to take action when action is required. And it's leadership. Part of it is knowing when you need to take action, but also knowing when you need to maybe ask for help or, you know, let, uh, let Mariner kick ass while, while you make a speech or something. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. And you see Boimler going into where it was dangerous and yeah. actually doing the job as opposed to a captain sitting in a chair saying, no, 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 somebody else go do the dangerous thing. Yeah, tactically that can make sense. But, but the, the impetus is to actually go help your fellow crewmate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that, that's exactly what he did without even having to think about it. It's like, no, this is what you do. You go take action when somebody needs help. Yeah, leading from the front versus leading from the back, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's also why in the military – why ensigns and junior lieutenants aren't put in leadership command roles where, where they're giving <laughs> orders to like 10 year veteran enlisted personnel. Right. Right. Cause they can come off like that. Exactly. Don't tell that to the O9 movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. That's a whole other thing. We'll, we'll get to that in a few years on mission log. Uh, welcome back. I, when I we can't get wait. <laughs> Um, listen, we are going to run just a little bit short tonight because Ashley has a show and we don't want I you to be know, late for I'm that. Sorry. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anybody in the LA area, you know, you know, uh, look up Ashley and uh, go to the show. Um, I do want to uh, throw out one little last uh, uh, quick observation here that I love and I hope that you all loved it as much as I did. Uh, Kayshawn, just being back and just yes. being part of the crew and great. And I love the blend of uh what what do we call their language even i, I can't remember you know i want to call it dharmakis but that's not right um <laughs> but but the blend of their language with standard so he just casually leans over to ransom and say you getting uh basmenti when he pulled back the veil vibes <laughs> like that was so so perfect and i cannot wait to see more of him because anything he slips in you immediately get it 
even if it makes no sense. So love that. Yeah. Any other last observations here before we wrap it up? Uh, just that, you know, more credit to the voice cast for being able to like communicate by context clues and voice intonation what he's talking about. <laughs> so just like 10 out of 10 on, on with everybody who's who's on the cast in that show. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Alan, uh, he, he brought it home for me. Tamarian, Tamarian. I, I will try not to forget that. Yes, that, that is the language. No, not Dharmakese. That, that was just dumb. We can edit yeah. that out later. <laughs> uh, but you see, we, we know what you were talking about. See, you knew. You knew. Yeah, I gave yeah. you a light language, like when Darmok said the thing. Yeah. Uh, Ashley, any uh, last thoughts, comments before we say goodnight and uh, send you off to your show? Uh, I love you all. Thank you for joining me. And didn't Boyle have a nice speech? I liked it. Yes, indeed. All right. Thank you, everybody. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment Executive Producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by the incalculable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcast. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.